we do believe that you need diversity in a team. So I'm not saying that it has to be the CEO, but you need somebody in the team that has a little bit more experience, somebody in the team that has less experience because it helps for the creativity. Welcome to The Wagon Live. Today, we're listening to Emily Boutros, partner and CFO of Tandem Launch. Emily joined the company in early 2012 as partner and CFO. Tandem Launch scouts, accelerates and commercializes early stage technologies from the world's top universities in close partnership with major consumer electronics brands. During her tenure, Tandem Launch has more than doubled every year, raising over 100 million in third party investment, creating more than 25 ventures valued at more than 300 million today. In addition to finance, Emily oversees operational activities across multiple departments and coaches projects on entrepreneurship, management and financing for startups. You really won't want to miss this one, so keep listening. So basically, um, when it comes to my background, I studied at McGill. I did a bachelor degree in math um, and then I liked the business world, so I went and uh, studied actually uh, on the business side. I did a, a degree in accounting. Um, I spent, I then had executive uh, positions in uh, public companies. So actually I worked for a company in Montreal that's called CGI. It had at the time more than $4 billion in revenues and I was reporting directly to the guy who's today the CFO. So I learned a lot about uh, deal structure, M&A um, and uh, the business uh, side of uh, 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 licensing company and a consulting company, tech company. And um, then I met an entrepreneur that was called Pascal Pilon, who's actually the CEO of Lender, a company that's uh, next to here. Um, at the time, uh, I joined Averna. It had $40 million of revenues. I was the CFO at the time. Well, I had a team of 30 people. The company had just raised uh, $10 million. They were doubling in size, and we were starting uh, businesses around the world. So Asia, Europe, South, uh, in Mexico, too. And um, that's when I realized that I really, really like working with entrepreneurs. And I like the fact that building, building teams, building companies, tech companies especially. Um, in my early 30s, I met Helgi Season. So Helgi Season is the founder of Tandem Launch. And um, he explained to me uh, the business model, which was a mix of, there was a big part of science, so innovation that we find at the university. I'll explain a little bit later what Tandem Launch does. And there was the transactional aspect, the business that in sense of a lot of negotiation, we had to structure deals with the universities and the investment aspect. Um, I did like the business model, but the, what I really like to tell you the truth is I really like the, the person, the guy. Uh, he told me, Emily, the nerd world is a happy world. And uh, right. I spent my last seven years at the same company, so I can tell you that is actually true. So Tandem Launch, basically, to tell you a little bit how Tandem Launch is, uh, what Tandem Launch is, so uh, we're what we call a startup foundry. So we build startups from scratch. And the way we do it is we're in contact with more than 600 universities around the world. They submit their projects. And when we think that a project is interesting, uh, we assemble a team around it. And the way we do it is we have a network of, it's either the university student that actually worked on the project or somebody from our network, and LinkedIn has been really useful. Uh, they come and they move to Montreal and uh, they work on the project. And then we run an entrepreneur in residence program where we invite people that want to become product line managers, that want to start a business, but that don't necessarily have the creative idea, the innovative idea, or the technical, the deep technical skills. So that's why I'm saying that it's like a dating agency, but for founders. So people meet at Tandem Lounge, and they team up together. They present us their project. And if we find that the project is interesting, we can invest, we invest up to 800,000 into the, the business. 
they spend with us between 12 and 18 months. Uh, Tandem Launch is a corporation, we're a company. There are 18 people that are working for Tandem Launch. During that period, we help the teams uh, hiring other uh, engineers, uh, putting together the product, getting some traction. We also work in partnerships with the big players of the consumer electronics. So Sony, Toshiba, and all those big companies are looking for, for innovation. Today, they come to our office. They can meet the team. So we're really speeding up the commercialization time that it would take to commercialize deep tech technologies. At the end of the program, the team has to recruit a serial entrepreneur uh, that will become a CEO. Himself has to invest in the company. He becomes the CEO, and he will lead the next round of financing. So we help them also raising a seed round of financing. When they raised the round of financing at that time, during that whole period that we call the graduation period, we incorporate the company, we move the employees, DIP, and Tandem Launch just become a shareholder, and we have a seat on the board, and we just created a new company. So that whole process takes like three minutes to explain, but it's actually very difficult. <laughs> like it's not like a, something that is that simple. We've done it more than 25 times since I started at uh, Tandem Launch. And um, we're about to raise another fund within the next like, few months to create another 15 companies within the next like four or five years. So you've actually answered a lot of the questions I was going to ask okay. you beforehand. So uh, that's very good. So now we're talking about Tandem Launch. Actually, one of the um, striking things that I found when I was researching about your company um, was the fact that you place a lot of emphasis on bringing international talent into Montreal. So. The question really is, how does Tandem Launch differ from other accelerators in Montreal, like uh, Centec, for example? So there's a big difference between an incubator and an accelerator. So Tandem Launch is actually investing money into the business. So the fact that we can invest 800000 is a big differentiator compared to the other businesses, at the other incubators or accelerators that there are in Montreal. Some of them do invest too, but we invest a large chunk of money. And also the fact that... Um, most of the investors invest in a team. They invest in a team and an idea. At Tenem Launch, we assemble the team. So we actually have to hire, we're hiring every single co-founder and then we help them building the team. How do we attract international people? So um, first of all, so we compete with Google, right? The people that come to Tenem Launch also have offers from Google or from Apple. Like they're actually like top PhDs in computer vision. Like, I mean, it's not every, or AI. Um, so we don't have them with the salary, if that's the question. It's because they want to build startups. So we have them with, you're actually going to work on something interesting. Because when you work with Google, you can make a lot of money, but it's not necessarily something very innovative. So we have very disruptive technologies. They're going to work on something interesting, and they're going to be part of a project that can become a company. And what about Tandem Launch's successes then? So for example, uh, we've got a company right next door to Lagar called uh, Lander. Yes. And um, during the process of the foundry process of selecting the, uh, the founders and assembling the team, what are the, from your perspective as the, um, the investors and the mentors, what are the key attributes that you look for in founders? I mean, is there any point during this process you can just spot ahead and see instantly, uh, this person's going to do great or this person's perfect? I mean, yes. how, so, does, you know, how does your senses yes. work? So I've been interviewing entrepreneurs for seven years and until today, 
sometimes I think they're going to be great and they're not that good. So it's not that easy to tell with the one or two interviews. Of course, there are some skills that we're looking for because of the nature of Tandem Launch. So the technical skills, if you're the, becoming the CTO of the company, there is a coding like test that you have to do. You have to be very knowledgeable in your space. I'm also looking for um, communication skills. Can you articulate a vision? Can you adapt to different uh, kind of situations? And do you have the willingness, like the hustle? Like we're looking for people with high energies that can actually create events. When you when you work for a startup, you have to create a certain number of events every week, every day. And that level of energy is something I'm looking for. Uh, when I do the interviews. Now, it looks very simple, but sometimes we're wrong. The way that we do it at Tenem Launch is they come and they work with us for a certain period of time. And it's way easier for me to see when I work with the people for a couple of weeks, okay, um, is the project, are you able to recruit? Which is something that you need, it's a skills that every single entrepreneur is very good at. Can you inspire people? to come and work with you? Um, are you able to put a pitch together that everybody will understand? Uh, can you get some kind of traction from, uh, from a different uh, uh, clients? Is the pro product that you're putting together, is, is there a product market fit? All those attributes, it's very difficult for me to know when I talk to the person for half an hour, but very easy to see when I work with them. So that's how we make the selection. And I guess a lot depends on the idea itself too. I mean, you can have a great personality and a great business mind, as you said, but if they haven't got the idea to match, then it's hard to build a business out of that. So, so out of your experience, I mean, which, which have you found to be the most compelling ideas that have been translated into products um, from the current companies in your portfolio? So, I mean, for example, there's one I read about, uh, I think it's called Aerial Wi-Fi or something, yes. and they use um, the Wi-Fi, ordinary Wi-Fi routers yes. to track people's motion in the house, right? I don't think that was possible. It was a little bit dystopian, but uh, I thought it was pretty cool. So I was thinking, you see a lot, of, you work with a lot of interesting people. You work in a dynamic environment. You are exposed to the cutting edge and the ideas in IoT and deep learning and the AI. And so what have you found to be the most compelling ideas personally? I mean, what, what yeah, really drives you? the one you? that I really like. Yeah. So um, by definition, we work with disruptive technologies. They're very innovative. And up to today, so I, I work with a lot of nerds, to tell you the truth. I am not deeply technical, but they are very excited by their projects. I think Ariel is very disruptive in the sense, the one that you just spoke about, in the sense that you're really disrupting an industry. So right now, when it comes to home automation, there are big costs related to, you have to install all the cameras, basically, and it's not everybody who would like to have tons of cameras just to do the, the like, to have in your house, just to make sure that uh, you can, uh, make the home automation works. The fact that you can do all those activities, but with the Wi-Fi signal, it's people are blown away yeah. when they see that it can actually work. There is the wow effect, mm -hmm. and it, it can actually disrupt the whole industry because right now you can do home automation without having any, any cameras that can be installed. Um, Sport Logic is a good one, so it's next to here. Yeah, this was the his CEO is uh, Craig Bunton. Yes, yeah, you know he's, him? Yeah, he's the Olympic figure skater, right? Yes. Yeah. So Craig came to Tandem Lounge. He uh, was an entrepreneur in residence. He became uh, the CEO of the company. Um, Mark Cuban, so from the Dragon's Dance, yeah, like also invested in the, in the business. And it's actually, he knew the sports industry because okay. he's from that space. And he took the technology was actually from McGill. And right. it was uh, activity recognition, right? So it's computer vision mm -hmm. where you can recognize activities. And he was actually able to do that switch between 
a technology that is promising how to go to, how to go to market into a space which is the sports like sports industry how can you really disrupt an industry and what he does actually i'm not sure if you read about the business is you you have a little bit so basically um he can he can do live statistics mm -hmm. so right now when you're watching the hockey game all those like all those statistics are done manually it's not intuitive but it's done manually these days so with the technology that they develop they can actually get statistic lives and the activity recognition that goes with it so there's a big market with the hockey right right now actually they're using their technology mm -hmm. when you look watch the hockey game but also with the soccer play and um the bigger big big play is uh, gambling just became legal in the states <laughs> Um, sports gambling, it's yeah. actually legal in the States for the last couple of months. And the big play will be that now, whenever you watch like the baseball game or the, the soccer game, um, the companies are going to want to push some stats to the people that are actually gambling mm -hmm. to increase the level of... Um, My participation. Exactly, yeah. to increase the level of participation. And he just raised, it's going to be announced, so I'm not sure I can <laughs> talk about it, but it's a huge uh, $20 million. Right. And um, that's, that happened in the last like uh, two months and right. building something huge in Montreal. Actually, it's great that it's in Montreal that all this is happening. Well, exactly. I mean, Montreal hasn't quite had its breakthrough yet as Unicorn, right? For example, uh, yeah. do you think so? Okay. Well, okay. there's Lightspeed, who's about to have like uh, an IPO. I'm not sure if okay. uh, they're not from Tandem Lounge, but it's still <laughs> in sure. Montreal. I do see a big difference. So when I started at Tandem Lounge, we had to do a lot of, um, we had to encourage people to become entrepreneurs. Uh, there were some tech companies in Montreal, but not huge success or huge exits. Mm -hmm. In the last few years, I do see a trend. It's been changing. That's it's been point. changing. Yeah. Uh, the U.S. investors, the U.S. VCs are investing more and more in Canada. There are a lot of corporate investors mm -hmm. also that are looking for innovation. They're investing in the, in the companies in Quebec. And entrepreneurship, because of multiple factors, I think there's been a big push from the government, but also a culture switch that it's more and more popular. So I do have great faith that we will have more and more success that are local. I think so too. <laughs> and uh, we're moving towards the end of the interview, so I'd just like to move on to like the more speculative side. Um, and that is, you've worked with entrepreneurs a lot. So do you think uh, an entrepreneur is born or is an entrepreneur made? Can you teach someone the essential so, skills? So, yes, so can you teach it? So of course, there's a big part of coaching at Tandem Launch, so I do think that there are some, uh, there's some knowledge that an entrepreneur can get. But um, after all those years of watching those, and no matter how old they are, by the way, like I work with very young people and I work with more experienced people, mm -hmm. there is in business, especially early stage, a big part of instinct. So some people, when you start a business, you can go in 10 different directions. You can go and see 10 different investors or 20 different clients or put together uh, two, three kind of products that can reach the market in different ways. And somehow, what I think is some people, they have it. In two or three tries, they will hit the jackpot and they will get something happening. And for some people, even though they work until midnight, I mean, it's more difficult for them. So that instinct that I think, I think you're born with it. It's yeah. a talent that as, you have. As you spoke earlier, you talked about the drive, that, that energy. The drive, but also the judgment, okay. the judgment call. Are you making the right decision okay. at the right time? And, and that, I think there's a big part that you're born with, okay. with that inst, in, a business instinct or that judgment uh, call. The part that you can learn is everything related to skills. So 
most entrepreneurs are okay managers, but not the best one. And you can teach how to become a better manager, how to congratulate like employees, how to be a little bit less directive and more cooperative. You can learn how to negotiate. There are negotiations. So there are a couple of skills and, and cap tables. I mean, nobody is born knowing how cap tables work. Mm -hmm. So all those attributes that you need to be good at if, if you want to start a business, you can learn. But there is 50%, I would say, that either you have it or you don't. Okay. And this is quite interesting because there was um, a study published this last year by the Bureau of Economic Research. And they, they did a big statistical analysis on oh. entrepreneurs. And they found, well, they found out the actual optimal age um, for successful founders was 42. So the common yes. cultural <laughs> perception of the young, yes. uh, the young entrepreneurs is actually completely false, yes. um, like Steve Jobs and Elon yes. Musk are the outliers. So yes. if we go to... Uh, the startup foundry is, um, is your Tinder based on the maturity preference, or so we do believe in those stats at Tandem Launch in the okay. sense that the founders, when they come to Tandem Launch, we mostly so I don't like talking about age because I mean, of course, it's not the number one like criteria, but usually it's people that just graduated from their PhDs. So they're a little bit younger, they join Tandem Launch, they do the program with somebody that has had some kind of entrepreneurial experience, but I mean that was not like that hasn't had a big exit and the reason why we hire a ceo at the end so at the end the team has to recruit a ceo somebody a little mm -hmm. bit more senior so by definition he's older because he has some kind of success is because we do believe that you need diversity in a team so i'm not saying that it has to be the ceo but you need somebody in the team that has a little bit more experience sure. somebody in the team that has less experience because it helps for the creativity if you have too much experience the creativity goes away. So, so for the creativity, you need the young and, 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 and energetic sure. and, and dreamers. <laughs> and, but then to balance everything, it's either a CEO, either a CEO. I'm not saying that I'm, I'm, the title is not important, but you need somebody in your team yeah. that is going to bring maturity. And even the biggest one, I mean, the biggest, like the most successful entrepreneurs, like if you look at Mark Zuckerberg, I mean, he is very talented, but I mean, uh, it's a Cindy, it's a, the, the CEO that's managing the whole business, right? Absolutely. Uh, it went a little bit wrong with Absolutely. Steve Jobs and Apple as well, but uh, it's, a, it's a question. And a question of diversity also. Um, now, one of the themes in this talk is about women in tech. So the last question really will be focusing on this. I mean, what I didn't really realize was in the 1950s, um, programming was considered quite a, a fem like a female profession. And about 30 to 50% of programmers were women. And then somewhere along the line, that stereotype completely changed. And we're in a position now where about out of the top tech companies and maybe only 20% of, of programmers are female. So do you think this is a problem? And do you, do you think what are the causes of this, like the negative cultural stereotypes? Or, because I know at Tandem Launch you emphasize um, that you have 50, like 50% of your founders are yes. male and 50% female. Yes. So this is, in a sense, breaking the mold. But the general trend seems to be... Uh, not the, not the same. So you guys are outliers in this case. And I was wondering, um, for yourself, um, speaking on behalf of yourself and Tandem Launch, um, who were your role models as a, when you were growing up? I mean, did you, did you feel that um, moving out of a STEM degree, for example, um, that there was any disadvantage in as being a woman? Yeah. In my career or at Tandem yeah. Launch? Okay, at Tandem Launch, I don't think so. I think no. we, have a very, uh, we have a very open culture. Yeah. Um, we do push to have 50-50. Yeah. It's a transition. 
it's not going to be like that all the time. I think that it's a push. It's a push that you, you sense also like from the government. They would like to have more women for, for programming for in computer science, yeah. but also in executive roles. I think that uh, there is, a, I do see a switch anyways in the, in the, men, in the culture mm -hmm. of uh, helping the women and, and with the balance also with the family to, to get positions, uh, leadership positions in companies. Um, and I don't think that right now at Tandem Launch, like we have a CEO that believes in the diversity, so he's asking for KPIs every month. He is pushing to hire uh, just as many women as there are men, because obviously there are less women than men. I think there's a lack of examples. Okay. So I think that with the years, right now we're pushing, there are gonna be more and more women that are gonna be more successful, more visible, and it will inspire other women to go into computer science. I studied in mathematics at McGill. I mean, there was not a lot of women in that program yeah. when I joined. and. Honestly, I think that the more the, more the people are going to look at, at uh, somebody that can inspire them, the more the women are going to be attracted by those kinds of positions. That makes sense. So, um, before we throw it up to the floor and the questions, um, I'd just like to ask one final question. Um, what would be your three takeaways from experience, your experience in tech? And what advice would you give to future entrepreneurs in the room, a special, and a, with a special word to women as well in that? So um, let's say I have to give an advice. So for women, so, um, so personally, I was very uncomfortable with the unknown. So when I started what, whatever career, like when you, when you start in a business, and, and don't ask me why I work in early with early stage startups where all the companies are going bankrupt in six months if nothing happens. <laughs> but the fact that I did not know what's, what was gonna happen, are we gonna raise money? Is this gonna be a success? For me, was very difficult. I think that um, if you start a business, you have to understand that it's part of the game. So for sure, you don't know what's gonna happen in six months. You don't know if you're gonna raise financing. You don't know if the sale is gonna close but it's part of building a company and you have to get comfortable with it if you want to keep track <laughs> and mm. continue. So I think that's a, a first thing that for me personally was uh, I needed to adapt. So that's something I think everybody should know. Um, the second one is um, I think that you have to surround yourself by the right people. And when I say the right people, I mean not somebody who is exactly like you. Every single person have a tendency, and I see it at Tandem Launch, right? They have to meet co-founders. So I cannot tell you how many two women team I have or a two men team, and that's just an exa example. I think that you have to push yourself because it's not a natural thing to work with some people that are completely different than you because it will help for the creativity, it will help for the innovation. As I was talking before, of course you need to work a little bit more on the communication because you're so different that when there's a conflict, you're, you're not necessarily like, you don't think the same way. But at the end of the day, I do think that the teams that can complete each other will, be, will perform better than the ones that are like two people, like two friends, you know, that are sorry. So that's uh, the second advice. And then the third advice, I guess it will be, um, I have to think about it. So um, what would I tell if I, somebody who starts a business? That um, there will be failures. Yeah. 
And um, even if you see in the newspaper that everything is going well, even if you see that when you present Tandem Launch, 25 companies, 350 million, I mean, it looks very, very uh, promising, but there are tons of failures. But at the end of the day, it's the end result that counts. So you really have to focus on, on the objective. So um, I'm sure you guys get a lot of great ideas, not all of which translate into great businesses. So what's your framework for assessing like product market fit and the viability of an idea into a profitable business? Okay, so we do get a lot of projects. So I think we get more than 2,000 projects per year. So we have a technical team that's actually analyzing all those projects. And the way we select them is, um, okay, first of all, is it a disruptive technology? Is the market big enough? But we also don't, it's not only what we think. We work in partnerships with the big players of the consumer electronics. So as, as I said, there is like Samsung, Sony, we, we present them their projects, to them their proje the projects that we get, and they influence our investment decision. So when I have, is it a real problem? Am I solving a real problem, a real industry problem? And when we have those check marks, then we're like, okay, I think it's good enough so we can start working on it. And because of the nature of Tandem Launch, we take huge technology risks. So we're willing, even if the technology is not perfect at that stage, we're willing to invest in it and make sure that, to, to, to see if there's actually a technical feasibility and we can actually build a demo, but we will never compromise on the size of the market. So the risk that we take is, okay, like, I know there's a big market, I know it, it, we're solving a real problem, there's still a technology risk. I'll put the money to make sure that we can solve that issue. And if there is, then it should be easier after that to put the team together and raise the money. Um, in terms of revenue, um, what are you looking for? I mean, I'm part of a different project, and we, we aim to build revenue before investing in deep tech or whatever you can call it. And um, I feel like when we speak to uh, incubators and uh, other uh, type of people like you, it's very difficult to explain how we can make revenue without having like a 10-page power, PowerPoint uh, deck. What are you looking for? Are you more interested in having somebody who has no revenue but a good idea or somebody who has already some revenue because uh, we have to pay the bills, but has more uh, project for the future? So at Term Launch, we assemble the team from scratch and the business from scratch. So by definition, there's no revenue at the, at the beginning of the, of the, of the project. So we are investing based on project production. So we think that with that kind of technology, we can build a company that will eventually have revenues. At the end of the program, after 12 to 18 months, it's part of the objectives of the team to have some kind of revenue. So either an RIE, an RE, so I mean engineering, consulting work with one of uh, uh, our partners to develop a product, or we had a company, actually, Aura. I don't know if you read about them. So it's a technology um, that's using graphene for uh, headphones. They did a Kickstarter campaign. So they had a million dollars in, in revenues at that time. So we are looking for revenues because the market is asking for, for revenues. But we're also very realistically, because we're in early stage, there is a possibility that you have to invest more than 800,000 before you have a product that's ready for commercializations. So sometimes we are able to raise financing and then they're going to start the commercialization a little bit after the next round of financing. It's a mix. Yeah, I just have a question. Actually, I mean, we kind of know that one of the main reasons of failure in startup is a wrong team fit with co-founders. Mm -hmm. And usually you 
you really know your co-founders when you spend a lot of time with them. And so I'm quite curious since with Tandem Launch, how do you, I mean, we talked a, a bit about this, but I'm curious about knowing for you, like what's the percentage you think of failures due to actually a wrong match and how in such a short period of time you can make sure that actually they're going to be a good match? So, um, so of course, when you work with startups, there are uh, personality fit that are not there. There are founders that are, do not always agree. There is the question of equity. So we have those questions all the time. Um, there is this image that you need to know each other for the last 20 years before starting building a business just because you're going to get along. But I know tons of people that were friends before starting a business and that don't even talk to each other today. So this image that the friendship comes before and then you work together and you build a work relationship is, I'm not sure what it's based on because at Tenem Launch, you actually have similar work values. So you're like, okay, so we have the same dreams. We both have a passion for technologies. We both have a passion for entrepreneurship. We're going to work together and we're going to make sure we have the same values and the friendship will come afterwards. And this idea that you need to be friends to build a successful business is something that I'm not sure where it comes from. There is a way of building a friendship because you work with a person instead of the other way. And I'm not telling you that there's no fights, but I'm not sure that there's more fights at Tandem Knowledge than there are in the real world. I don't think that this is a factor that can be, uh, uh, that, that we should consider. And I've had that comment from a lot of in outside investors and I'm like, why don't we think outside of the box there is another way of doing things and maybe the results will be just as good as if it was like the opposite way. Um, I saw on the event description that you also work with a uh, national angel investor uh, organization. Could you, I'd love to learn a bit more about what you do with them. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's called NACO. So basically, um, so um, I'm not sure if you know how angel groups are, but angel groups are usually very local. So you have Ange Quebec in Quebec. So you only have one big one in Quebec, but in the other province of Canada, you have like multiple angel groups. Just in, in, in uh, Toronto, there's like the Maple Leaf Angels, then the Angel Network, the Angel One Network. They have like, I think like more than 10 like angel groups. And there is a, a, a Canadian organization that's called NICO that actually regroups all the angel groups and their members at the Canadian level. So. Uh, the idea is uh, to have one association to regroup all, all the angels. And I work with them. I'm, I'm actually on the board of that organization because they are trying to also um, go and become more like an early stage ecosystem like associations. So not only for angels, but also for incubators, accelerators. And I'm, I'm thinking that eventually they will have they will also want to have like um, early stage funds. So instead of, of going only one kind of groups, like they really want to enlarge the mandate. The mandate is actually to um, make sure that everybody in Canada exchange best practice and networking, of course, you're getting to meet other people, deal flow. So it's great because at Tenem Launch, it used to be very local early stage. And right now I work all the time with the MLAs, the Maple Leaf Angels from, from uh, from Toronto, I have, uh, as part of the investors, I have the Purple Angels from uh, Ottawa, actually. So it's, it's a great way of, of networking, meeting new people. And also, they're providing a lot of data. So you get to know how's the ecosystem doing, uh, how many, so all the statistics that are actually useful to run a, a, an ecosystem. So my role over there is really to represent the accelerators, actually, like uh, uh, at the board level. 
but also to try to see how we can um, we can grow as a, as, a, as an ecosystem and um, have a, a healthy entrepreneurship culture in Canada. Setting up an accelerator is uh, how it gets seats and yourself did um, is itself really it's a form of entrepreneurship, is it not? I mean, yes. How difficult is it to go out and find outside investors and convince them, hey, give us your money? I guess mostly cash or something liquid assets at least. Yes, yes, it's and, always cash. <laughs> <laughs> and say, hey, we've got a bunch of dreamers, we've got a bunch of ideas, yeah. we're going to build a big company out of it. So there's a lot of selling involved on your side too and yes. risk on your side as well as the entrepreneurship. So how did you handle it? I mean, one, one of the facts that I read was um, in tw 2012, uh, Tandem launched the firm was about 5 million, then you joined in 2012 and then 2013 it was like, 8 million, and then 2016, it was like 13 million per year. Yeah, so, so we raised uh, the first fund in 2000, okay. uh, 2013. It was, um, it was 8 million at the time, and then a second one, 15 million. So for the first fund, we had 22 investors. So um, in order to get 22 investors, I think you have to meet 150 investors at the beginning. So fundraising is very difficult. Um, it's a statistic game, I think, at the end. So you meet a lot of people, you present uh, the business, you listen to what they have to say, and uh, at the end of the day, you, you, you try to... So we also have the Bank of Development of Canada, just to make sure that they are our anchor investor at that time. So the first fund was actually... Um, we were selling... Uh, we, we had built like two or three businesses, but we were selling a business model that we actually can create businesses with the Tandem Launch business model. And we were selling an idea more than something that we ha were actually able to do and scale. And for the second fund, we had created like uh, 10 companies at the time. Mm -hmm. So that's how we sold it okay. for the second one. And the third one is going to be between 20 and 30 million. And uh, we're still pitching um, okay. the fact that we actually, it's easier when you have a history sure. than the first time that, that you raised the money. Um, it's always liquid. So we had 44 investors in the second one. And I'm not sure how many we're going to have for the third one. But of course, uh, you need to have a lot of meetings. Mm -hmm. And you also learn how to pitch. I think this is uh, when we were talking about something that you learn and something that is like you were born, mm -hmm. I think uh, it's a skill set to know how to pitch to investors and it's something that you can learn through. There's so much today. You can go online, you can go to incubators, mm -hmm. and they will. if you have a demo day, they will teach you how. You can come the to LeVagan. You can come to LeVagan, <laughs> and they will, they will show you how to put a PowerPoint presentation yeah. and a good pitch together. So in, in my previous startup in Germany, when uh, some of our investors were from Booking.com, and we, when we spoke to one of them in particular, he was very strong about the idea that he doesn't believe in disruption. And what he said is basically, there's no disruption. People, companies just get lazy as they grow. You seem to have a very strong, you, you know, you've mentioned disruption many times. And yeah. I'm just wondering, you know, when you say disruption, what do you exactly mean? Yeah. And what do, you, what do you think about what, the way he, they think about it at you know, yeah. booking.com? So... The technologies are disruptive. So the business, so Tandem Knowledge has a business model that's actually disruptive and innovative. So that's actually very different than you're building startups from scratch. People don't know each other. They're getting to know each other through the business, to the business model. So that's actually something very creative, very in innovative in terms of business model. But the companies that we create with Tandem Knowledge are not that disruptive. Like it's a regular, you're putting a product together, you're selling either as a product, as a, as a licensing play. But the technologies are disruptive. What I mean by disruptive is um, there is no... It's very difficult to see the market. So um, 
I'm creating another television. So you have the market of televisions, and you're creating a new one, which is better than the other ones. It's not, it's, you're, it's, you're, like you're getting, some, it's incremental. When it's something completely disruptive, like the Wi-Fi signal can actually become the, the, what you're using for home automation. It's, I have the statistic for home automation, but of course nobody's using it right now because everybody has to put the cameras and it's a pain. It's a pain. So it's actually something completely new, something that nobody thought it was possible. It's years of study. By the way, like the technologies that we're investing in come from universities, but the professor or the teacher or, or the student, they actually like worked on this for years. So there were millions of dollars that were invested for research on that project. So it's not that easy to, to get to that, those kind of, of technologies. And TenemLaunch also, it's not as if we're taking one technology from one university. We match technologies from different universities and we work with Stanford as much as Leuven, which is in Belgium. So we match technologies from different universities and those technologies, because it takes so much time to develop, have this disruption impact that I'm talking about, which is Nobody, Lender, for example, which is a, a mastering, so they're using uh, AI to master the songs of uh, the, the, music, the musicians. So in the past, it was done by an engineer. So I look at this and I'm like, okay, there's a market because everybody who actually produces a song needs to do the mastering at the end and is paying the engineer. But the fact that you can do it automated at a very low price, it's a, it's a, it's a website, right? You send your song. It's actually completely new. I mean, now I think maybe competition is going to start coming, but it was completely disruptive at the time. And that's what I mean by disruption. At the end of the day, I mean, what's disruption? I believe, we believe that there is disruption in what we invest in. Um, of course, every single, like, of course, the, the mastering existed. It's a different way of doing it. And the way that he does it is completely different. Now, I mean, there's like some vocabulary, I think, that we need to do. It can become very philosophical if you start going there. Uh, so you spoke a bit about um, how the process goes once uh, the 12 to 18 months period is done. So you pour uh, resources and money into a startup. And once they achieve their goal, so is Tandem Launch's goal to uh, follow up with their uh, product? Uh, so you said you mentioned that you become shareholder in the company. Yeah. So is your point, is your aim to remain in this company and remain as a decisive or, uh, or as an, an entity operator. that... So we're not an operator. So at the beginning, during the 12 to 18 months, we are operationally involved with the company. So we do have strategic meetings. I'm, I'm involved with all those strategic meetings. There is a team that's working with the product development. Um, when the company graduates, so when we hire that executive, the CEO, and he raises his next round of financing, so all the people stay at Tenem Launch. We have an office next to Adwater Market, but the day that they have money, they really want to get out of the office just to get this trade. <laughs> they don't want to be in the same building than their investors. So they move out, and we do not have an operational role at that part at that time. We just keep a seat on the board of directors. So it's more like a governance role. The truth is, because we are we're part of the co-founding team. So Tenem Launch were like co-founders to all those companies. We still have, we have the history, we, we know all the people personally because we worked with them. So we're still very involved with the companies at different levels, but we don't work on the day-to-day. -day. Obviously, we cannot do that. Like there is the, 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 the whole team, like there's 25 companies out there and we have to create six companies per year. So I don't, we don't really have the time to go and operate those companies, but we're involved uh, at the governance level and also like, Ad hoc, like let's say they have like they want to have an introduction to investors. They're looking for an executive. They want to ask something about IP strategy. So those kinds of that kind of involvement. 
Not sure if you said, but uh, do you have a vertical? It's really just disruptive, like technology. So it's it's we invest in um, the space of computer vision, uh, AI, uh, advanced sensors, um, a lot of uh, human machine interaction. So voice recognition. We have eye tracking. So um, basically, it's called the, the consumer technology space. So I don't know if you know CES. Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. It's a huge show, so we are there every year, as you can imagine. So basically everything you can buy at Best Buy, uh, software, hardware. Uh, we are trying to invest in software more than hardware because uh, it's not that easy to commercialize hardware, as you can imagine. So um, this is what we're specialized in. So mostly B2B. So there are some uh, B2C technologies, like uh, uh, Lender is actually one of them, but uh, or, or the head headphones, uh, headsets for uh, that are using the graphene technology. But most of the, the companies that we have, so let's say I'm taking Fluent.ai, which is a, a voice recognition using AI. So basically it's multi-language. Right now it's pretty limited because uh, it's limited by the database, the number of languages that you can have. The technology is using uh, artificial intelligence. So basically they're learning every single language that the person will speak. So it's mostly, it can be a SaaS business, so anybody can use it. Um, you have a GoPro, you want to turn it on, you have to use uh, voice recognition. So that kind of, of licensing, that those kind of licensing deals, a mix of licensing or SaaS platform. Great. All right. So thank you again uh, for you. coming. and. Uh... Thanks for listening to The Wagon Live. Tune in next week for another episode. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe by hitting the subscribe button.